Narayanam Namaskritya Naram Chaitanya Rotanam Devim Saraswatim Vyasam Tato Jayam Udiraya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Reading from Srimad Bhagavatam, Canto 4, Chapter 25, Chapter entitled, The Characteristics of King Paramjana, Text number 13. Saekeda Himavato, Dakshineshvata Sanushu, the darshan of a beer dwabi, Puram lakshita lakshanam, Saekeda himavato, Dakshineshvata sanushu, The darshan of a beer dwabi. Lakshita Lakshana Saekeda Himavato Dakshineshvata Sanushu The Darshan of a beard will be Saekeda Himavato Dakshineshvata Sanushu The Darshan of a Beard Warbi Guram Lakshita Lakshana Saha That King Paranjana Ekada, once upon a time. Himavataha, of the Himalaya mountains. Dakshineshu, southern. Atta, after this. Sanushu, on the ridges. Dadarsha, found. Navabi, with nine. Mm. Dwarbi, gates. Puram, a city. Lakshita, visible. Lakshana, having all auspicious facilities. Translation and purport by His Divine Grace A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Shri Prabhupada. Once while wandering in this way, he saw on the southern side of the Himalayas in a place named Bharatvasha, India, a city that had nine gates all about and was characterized by all auspicious facilities. Translation responsibly. Once while wandering in this way. He saw on the southern side of the Himalayas in a place named Bharatvasha, India, 
A city that had nine gates. All about. And was characterized by all auspicious facilities. Purport. The tract of land south of the Himalayan mountains is the land of India, which was known as Bharatvarsha. When a living entity takes birth in Bharatvarsha, he is considered to be most fortunate. Indeed, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu has stated, Bharata Bhumite Haila Manusha Janmayara, Janma Sartaka Karikara, Para Upakara. Chaitanya Charanamrita Adi Leela uh, 9.41 Thus, whoever takes birth in the land of Bharatvasha attains all the facilities of life. He may take advantage of all these facilities for both material and spiritual advancement and thus make his life successful. After attaining the goal of life, one may distribute his knowledge and experience all over the world for humanitarian purposes. In other words, one who takes birth in the land of Bharatvasha by virtue of his past pious activities gets full facility to develop the human form of life. In India, the climate, climatic condition is such that one can live very peacefully without being disturbed by material conditions. Indeed, during the time of Maharaj Yudhishthira or Lord Ramachandra, people were free from all anxieties. There were not even extreme cold or extreme heat. Uh, the three kinds of miserable conditions, adhyatmika, adhibhotika, and adhidevika, miseries afflicted by the body, the mind, and mind itself, those inflicted by other living entities and natural disturbances, were all absent during the reign of Lord Ramachandra, or Maharaj Yudhishthira. But at present, compared to other countries on earth, India is artificially disturbed. Despite these material disturbances, however, the country's culture is such that one can easily attain the goal of life, namely salvation or liberation from material bondage. Thus, in order to take birth in India, one must have performed many pious activities in a past life. In this verse, the word lakshita, lakshanam, indicates that the human body attained in Bharatvash is very auspicious. Vedic culture is full of knowledge and a person born in India can fully take advantage of Vedic culture, cultural knowledge, and the cultural system known as Varnashram Dharma. Even at the present time, as we travel all over the world, we see that in some countries, human beings have many material facilities, but no facilities for spiritual advancement. We find everywhere the defects of one-sided facilities and a lack of full facilities. A blind man can walk but not see, and a lame man cannot walk but can see. Under Pangunyaya. The blind man may take the lame man over his shoulder, and as he walks, the lame man may give him directions. Thus combined, they may work, but individually neither the blind man nor the lame man can walk successfully. Similarly, this human form of life is meant for the advancement of spiritual life and for keeping the material necessities in order. Especially in the Western countries, there are ample facilities for material comforts, and no one, but no one has any idea <coughs> of spiritual advancement. Many are hankering after spiritual advancement, but many cheaters come, take advantage of their money, bluff them, and go away. Fortunately, the Krishna Consciousness Movement is there to give all facilities for both material and spiritual advancement. 
In this way, people in the Western countries may take advantage of this movement. In India, any man in the villages, unaffected by the industrial cities of India, can still live in any condition and make spiritual advancement. The body has been called the City of Nine Gates. And these nine gates include two ears, two ears, two nostrils, one mouth, one genital, and one rectum. When the nine gates are clean and working properly, it is to be understood that the body is healthy. In India, these nine gates are kept clean by the villagers who rise early in the morning, bathe in the well or rivers, go to the temples, attend the Mangalati, chant the Hare Krishna Maha Mantra, and take prasad. In this way, one can take advantage of all the facilities of human life. We are gradually introducing this system in different centres in our society in the Western countries. One who takes advantage of it becomes more and more enlightened in spiritual life. At the present moment, India may be compared to the lame man and the Western countries to the blind man. For the past 2,000 years, India has been subjugated by the rulers of rule of foreigners and the legs of progress have been broken. In the Western countries, the eyes of the people have become blind due to the dazzling glitter of material opulence. The blind man of the Western countries and the lame man of India should combine together in this Krishna consciousness movement. Then the lame man of India can walk with the help of the Westerner, and the blind Westerner can see with the help of the lame man. In short, the material advancement of the Western countries and the spiritual assets of India should combine for the elevation of all human society. Shula Prabhupada Ki. Any questions or comments? Amagyan Timadandasya Kinanjana Shalakaya Chakshur and Militanjana Tasmai Shri Gurve Namaha Shri Chaitanya Manopishtam Stapitam Yena Bhutale Swayam Rupa Kadamaya Dadati Swapadantikam Jaya Shri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Shri Advaita Gadadha Srivasadi Gaura Bhakta Vrinda Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama Rama Hare Hare So what is the chapter called? What is it? The characteristics of King Puranjana. The characteristics of King Puranjana. What is this pastime? What is this chapter? What is this uh, discussion about? What is it? What is its purpose? Because the Bhagavatam is categorical. You go from Canto 1 to Canto 12. And there is a thread which runs through the cantos. So what does this particular pastime, what is it meant to instill within us? If you read this pastime of Paranjana. Very good. Yeah, very good. Detachment and renunciation. Uh, That is why we study this. Because you cannot get free from the material world unless you become detached. Uh, You have to develop Vairagya. Uh, Savabhom Bhattacharya said when he was discussing Lord Chaitanya's movement uh, he said Vairagya, Vidya, 
Nija Bhakti Yogena. Lord Chaitanya gives Bhakti Yoga, which is enriched with Vairagya Vidya, which means knowledge and detachment. The characteristic of the followers of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is that they are detached. They are free from desires for material sense gratification. Lord Chaitanya himself showed the perfect example of someone who is free from the desire for sense gratification. And Lord Chaitanya's followers are known for being free from the desire for sense gratification. So how do we become free from the desire for sense gratification? Krishna says in Bhagavad Gita, Parandrishtva Nivatati. Nivatati means... <coughs> Renounce, yeah. Means you can give it up. Give it up. Nivatati. Nivatati means you can give it up easily. But first you must get a param. Paramdhishtva means a higher taste, a superior experience. If you have something superior, you don't even think of the inferior thing, isn't it? If you're experiencing spiritual bliss, you don't even think of the material things. So bhakti yoga is so powerful, it absorbs us in spiritual bliss, the paramdhishtva, the higher taste, and then we just automatically become renounced. But sometimes devotees, they don't fully surrender to Krishna. They don't fully absorb themselves in the Devi Prakriti or the material, oh, sorry, the spiritual energy. So therefore they have to uh, externally put in uh, mechanisms for renunciation. That's what the Vaishnava system is. Right? Then you have to practice renunciation. If it's not automatically within your heart, then you have to practice it. Just like if you read the Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, the Nectar of Devotion, it discusses on the platform of Bhava Bhakti, which is very high level, one of the uh, qualities of someone who has Bhava, or very high uh, level of Krishna consciousness, then one of the symptoms is detachment. And the Sanskrit word which is used is? Hmm? No, not Vairagya. Uh, what is that, that word which is used to describe on the level of Baba, the level of detachment? Huh? It is called virakti. Right? And there is a difference between virakti and vairagya. Virakti means when you're very advanced in Krishna consciousness, you just don't have any attachment to the material energy, to the material world. Right? Srila Prabhupada, when he first came to America in 1966, 67, very early in the movement, he was being interviewed. I think it was in New York. So he went to the radio station. They interviewed him. And uh, the person in the... Can we just work out the whole flower, Leela? Just smell the flowers and please pass them on. No, they're going like you know, everywhere. So uh, Prabhupada was asked by the reporter, the journalist in the radio station. Uh, the reporter said, Are you self-realized? And what did Prabhupada say? Yes. 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 And then the, re- the reporter said, what is the proof? Prabhupada said, I can be in a room full of naked women and not be disturbed. But you cannot. <laughs> that is the difference. That is virakti. Virakti means even the opportunity for sense gratification is there. But there is no attachment or attraction. That is virakti. 
So this is bhava bhakti. Bhava means just before prema. And Prabhupada had prema bhakti. So there's sandrananda vishesha. So the devotion is so intense. The love for Krishna is so complete. There's no, not even any attachment. <coughs> what we practice is vairagya. Vairagya means, okay, we are attached to the sense objects. We are attached to the material world. Hands up if you're attached to the material world. Okay, okay 100%. So we are attached to the material world, but we realize we're attached, so therefore we put uh, mechanisms in place to protect us. Right? That is called vairagya. Vairagya means renunciation. Okay, I'm attached to it, but I know it's not good for me, so I'll go back. That is vairagya. Right? So Lord Chaitanya's teachings are enriched with vairagya, huh? proper behavior, uh, sadhacha. Sadhacha means you have to behave properly. Is the Varnashram system. Men and women cannot just freely intermingle. Right? If you want to uh, associate with the opposite sex, you get married. Right? The husband and wife, they can intermingle. Right? And drive each other crazy. Right? Go. Enjoy yourselves. <laughs> Go and drive each other crazy. Right? And when you're, when you're over it, then concentrate on Krishna. Right? But, now, you can't just associate with any man or any woman. Right? And Rupa Goswami says, he quotes, that if you do that, it will cause a disturbance in society. Yeah. So there has to be vairagya, renunciation. That's why, you know, Maharaj sit there, Prabhu sit there. It's like, you know, we, we, we intermingle, uh, but it is not intimate. Right? Intimacy is with the, the wife or the husband, that's it. Right? That's the license for sense gratification. Isn't it? So you, you practice that vairagya. And Prabhupada says, if you're a grihasta and you're following strictly celibacy, right, no illicit sex, he said, you're as good as the sannyasi. Prabhupada even said, you're better because you're associating with the opposite sex and still you're detached. Right? So that is, so is vairagya. We're attached, but we don't act. Right? That's how you advance in Krishna consciousness. So Lord Chaitanya came to give that kind of bhakti. So this pastime of Puranjana is meant for this purpose. It is meant to make you detached. Right? You just read it right? and you'll become detached. So it is an allegory. What does an allegory mean? What is that? Yeah, it's a story. It's not actual, there's not actually a person called Puranjana. There's no king called Puranjana. Right? It's an allegory. Allegory means it's like an example which is given. We have to know, that's why we need guru. To study shastra, you have to study shastra under the guidance of guru and sadhu. Because the guru and sadhu will instruct you which part is allegory and which part is not allegory. Because if you look at the modern world, 2020, everyone's confused about what's allegory and what's not. They say, oh, the mythology of the Vedas. Right? It's, they're all just stories. It didn't really happen, it's all just stories. Right? So that's confusion, that's not correct. Right? No guru says that. There's even one man now in India, uh, in one of the universities in India, they want to study Bhagavad Gita, like a course in Bhagavad Gita, you know, study. And there's one person at the moment, he's putting up a big fight. No, no, we cannot have Bhagavad Gita in the university. This is all, you know, mythology. Because he doesn't have a guru, so he doesn't understand. No? To understand, because when you study, you need a guru to tell you, and, and sadhu to tell you. This part is allegory, this part is factual. 
Right? You need to understand it. Even the pastime of Parikshit, you know, when he's beating the bull, right? Some have said that is allegory. He wasn't actually beating the bull and the black man and all that. It was an allegory. Others say it was literal. Right? But this part is definitely allegorical. Right? It's just an example. What is it there for? To give us detachment from this world. So the city of nine gates. What are the nine gates? All the openings of the body. Right? Nine of them. Right? This is where things come in and out of the body. Right? Nine <laughs> gates. They pass in and pass out. Through this. Right? Now Prabhupada makes an interesting point. You have to keep those nine gates clean and healthy. If the nine gates are not clean and healthy, you can't perform devotional service. Srila Prabhupada said to Dhananjaya Prabhu, who was the first temple president of the Krishna Balaram Mandir in Vrindavan, he said, first health, then Krishna consciousness. Right? First, interesting, this is Prabhupada, our founder of Chara, says, first health, then, if you're not healthy, how will you practice Krishna consciousness? Oh, no, no, I'm transcendental. You know, devotional service is transcendental. Everything just, oh, I just serve Krishna. No, you look after your health. Right? Especially as you get older, the body is a machine. Just like if you have an old car, it starts to break down. The body begins to break down. Right? It begins to do very strange things. Right? So you have to keep it clean, Prabhupada says. Right? All the uh, entranceways of the body, if you keep them clean, then your body will run very nicely. You see, Prabhupada, he was in his 70s, right? Morning walk. Have you seen him on his morning walk sometimes? Like on the videos? Prabhupada's like just striding. Uh, one time, when Prabhupada was, I think it was when he was, well, would have been 77, 75. Prabhupada would have been about 77, 78 years old. And, you know, going on his morning walks. And, <clears throat> and he was sitting there behind his desk in the Krishna Balaram temple. You know, he has that low desk. He was sitting down. Prabhupada jumped up and jumped and landed on his feet. And he said to Hari Sori, he said, I will never get old. <laughs> and then he went and took his bath. He's about 77 years old, jumping up. You see him on his morning walk, he's powering. Prabhupada had diabetes at that time. You know, he, had, he had quite a few health problems. But he was so healthy, he just like kept powering. It was only at the very, very end, right? Like late 76, that's when he began to deteriorate. Only the last 12 months. Uh, and one time he was walking up a hill, late 76, and then when he got to the top of the hill, he, he actually fell back, and Harris Oprah was behind him and caught him. And Prabhupada turned around and said, now I am old. <laughs> <laughs> right? But he kept himself so healthy. Right? Even when lunch was being cooked for him every day, he would have lunch cooked for him. He wouldn't eat the Mahaprasad, he'd have his own lunch, because <coughs> he wanted everything to be very healthy. His cook would come in to, to see him a couple of hours before lunch, and he would discuss which spices would go into the subjects. Uh, today, put more turmeric. Um, I need more black pepper. I need neem. Uh, no, so he would say which which spice he needed. So he was looking after his health. And what was the result? He could serve until he was 80, 81. Very, very effectively. Mm. Yeah. Now look at modern ISKCON. Yeah, devotees are 30, 40. Yeah, they're all like, oh. Oh, I can't do my service. I'm sick. Oh. Yeah, devotees all the time because they're not looking, not keeping everything clean, right? 
Now, uh, Bhaktivinoda Thakur says, of all the senses, the tongue is the hardest to control. So especially what you put through this gate, right, that is very important. Uh, because there's only three reasons why people get sick. Right? Ayurveda says only three reasons why you get sick. If your mind is anxious, right, if your mind is disturbed, your body will get sick. If you're unclean, your body will get sick. And if you overeat, your body will get sick. There's only three reasons. If you're sick, that's the only reasons. Right? So in this kind, too much overeating. Right? Just putting too much in there. And at some point, you know, the body starts saying, maybe stop sending so much uh, dakshina. <laughs> it just keeps on. It doesn't work. Now you have to fast regularly. Prabhupada said every Kodashi, right? Full fast. Right? Just water or juice or like that. Prabhupada also said once a week. Right? On other occasions. Full fast. Right? Don't eat, don't drink. Like that. If you do that, you'll keep the body clean. Right? When Prabhupada first went to India, all his disciples were getting sick. Right? Because they were doing so many programs and everyone was eating so much prasad. And then... They were coming to Prabhupada for money for medicine. And then Prabhupada got to a point because so many devotees were coming. Prabhupada said, first you fast for three days. And if you're still sick, I'll give you money for medicine. Because the devotees are just eating too much. That's all it was. So it is said here that this is the city of nine gates. And we have to look after it. Now Prabhupada makes a nice analogy. India has... Spiritual knowledge and the West has material opulence. Right? So there's a blind man and a lame man. Srila Prabhupada said India will always be 50 years behind the West in terms of material uh, progress. Right? Always 50 years behind. It's just the karma of India. It's not meant for it's not meant for material opulence. It's not meant for material to run like that. It's meant for self-realization. Bharatvash is a holy place. So it will always be 50 years behind. Just like I was there in 1999. I was in uh, the Chalpati temple. I was having prasadam with uh, Radha Krishna Prabhu. Who, he was the temple president at that time. And then it was a, about a month before Y2K. You know, Year 2000, they said Y2K, you know, the whole, all the computers were going to stop and there's going to be worldwide problems. And they had everyone thinking like that. And I said to Prabhu, I said, <coughs> what, will, what will you do? What will the Chalpati Temple do? Uh, on December 31st, 1999, when the, everything changes. And, you know, how will you deal with the Y2K? And he just said, it's Y2K every day in India. Every day is Y2K, it's chaos. <laughs> So what's going to make, it's not going to make any difference. It's not going to like everything's going to change. Right? That's just the way it is. Because uh, what is India for? India is for self-realization. Right? That is the place that you go for self-realization. And <laughs> as Chaitanya Mahaprabhu says, Prabhupada quotes here, the body, if you have an Indian body, that body is advantageous because it is meant for self-realization. Because the body, by nature, the Indian, if you're born in India, right? Prabhupada actually said one time, he said, uh, Indians are already devotees. 
Right? And he gave the example just like, they're very close to Krishna, Indian people, but their back is turned. So all you have to do is just go like that, turn around, and then, oh, there's Krishna, and then they're devotees again. Right? Western people are like this. Right? Our back is not turned, it's facing Krishna, but we're so far away, it takes a lot of time and energy to bring someone like that. But Indian people, naturally, this is a great advantage. Uh, and what is the advantage of the Indian body? Right? They can do tapasya. Because right? Richard Dave says, the human form of life is meant for <coughs> transcendental austerity, tapo divyam. Right? It is meant for austerity. Uh, we're meant to use our body to realize uh, Krishna. So the uh, Indian body is for that. The Western body is not uh, especially for self-realization. So therefore, when Western devotees go to India, Prabhupada said we have to make nice facilities for them. That's like, you know, like in Vrindavan, they have the MBT. See, everything's nice. Prabhupada said, uh, Western people need door handles. (laughs) He said, Indian people don't need door handles. You just walk in, you walk out. What's the problem? Door is always open. Who cares? That's why no one ever shuts the doors around the place. (laughs) Just walk in, you walk in. But he said, Prabhupada said the Western people need door handles. And he said they need uh, mattresses, beds, chairs. Any people can just sit on the ground. Yeah, Prabhupada, he always sat on the ground. Uh, Indian people don't even need to sleep in the bed. I went to Brindavan a few years ago and we arrived late at night. And our accommodation wasn't suitable. So I had to find, I had some devotees, but we had to find another place. And then we went, and I had a number of devotees, and then they gave us like a, a department, and there was only a certain number of beds. And, uh, you know, I didn't have anywhere to sleep because all the devotees had to sleep, so it was one less bed. So I said to the Prabhu there, he was a, uh, from the Balaba Sampradaya. Now, he's a very austere devotee, like really, really powerful devotee. Lives in Brindavan. And I said, oh, Prabhu, I need a mattress or a bed. He said, this is Brindavan. He said, just sleep on the ground. <laughs> I said, Prabhu, I can't. I, I can sleep on the ground, but I need something under me. You know, it's just like my age of my body and that I can't you know, just sleep just on the ground. He went. <laughs> <laughs> so I got off the couch. I got the pillows on the couch, you know, like thin pillow. Just put that. That's enough. Yeah, I don't need a lot, but I need something. Yeah, I can't just sleep like straight ground, you know, just. So this is it. The, the Indian body can do that. Now the Western body, that is more difficult. So Prabhupada understood, I get the Westerners, they need beds, they need chairs, they need door handles. Right? They need toilets that flush. <laughs> Indian bodies, their body is for something else. Tapasya. Right? So basically, uh, regardless of your Indian body or Western body, right, your purpose of your life is for Use your body, perform austerity, realize Krishna in this lifetime. Prabhupada said the West has material advancement, India has spiritual advancement. Okay, So which city are we living in now? What city is this? No, this city. Oh, Melbourne. Okay. So in Melbourne, Melbourne nearly every year wins the most livable city in the world. Nearly every year. Top five every year. Usually it wins every year. So we're the most livable material city in the world, the most comfortable material city on the planet, right? And we have the most 
beautiful temple that I've seen outside of Vrindavan and Mayapur. Right? I've never seen a you know, temple so powerful right? outside of the Dharma itself. So spiritually we have the best place. Materially we have the best place. If you can't make spiritual advancement here, you know, you're, seriously there is something very, very... <laughs> there's something very wrong. Right? This is like... Malva Mahaprabhu Mandir is like a rocket ship to go back to Godhead. All you have to do is hold on. Right? Just hold on, right? And then go back to the spiritual world. Right? It's like if you read in the Bhagavatam, uh, there was Kadama Muni. Uh, he had that uh, aerial mansion. Yeah, that's what it's like. I mean, Melbourne Temple's like that. You just sit in it and just you can fly all over the universe. Right? You can go all the way into Galoga Brindavan. That's how powerful it is. <clears throat> so all you have to do is hold on. Prabhupada said, don't be a great devotee and be a good devotee. None of us are going to be great devotees anyway. Like, you know, if you knew about me, if you actually knew what I was like, right, on many levels, you'd just say, oh man, this guy is like, you shouldn't even be sitting here <laughs> on the Vyasa side. You know, we, we all see the good stuff. Yeah, we all know each other. We know the good stuff. And then when we really know each other, okay, we know the bad stuff as well. But we help each other. Right? But that is the, uh, the system. All you have to do, right, as a member of ISKCON, especially ISKCON Melbourne, you just have to hold on and be a good devotee. And Prabhupada said in the uh, Ishopanishad, he said you have to cooperate with Krishna. That's all Krishna wants. He doesn't want domination. You know, Krishna is not like a dictator. He's not here to dominate us. He just wants cooperation. And Prabhupada said, uh, when he left the world, he said, the proof of how much you love me after I am gone is how much you cooperate together to push on this movement. So that's all we have to do. Put our egos aside. Right? Just work together and take over Melbourne. Right? And once Melbourne is take over, then we'll take Ballarat, Bendigo, Hobart, Mildura, Geelong, Frankston will be tough, but we can do it. <laughs> Don't laugh at the Frankston people. <laughs> Daniel, Gippsland will be a push as well. But that's the point. The point is we're meant to take over. Prabhupada actually says, if you read Servant of the Servant, Prabhupada said to Tamal Krishnamaraj in 1968, I think, or 69, Prabhupada said, if you all fully surrender to me, we could take over America in 18 days. Prabhupada said that. And then we wouldn't have to put up with Donald Trump. Right? We could take the whole place over. Tulsi's running for president. So Tulsi, you be president. Right? We're the army. She's a good leader. Bang. Take over, take over the place. Uh, but Prabhupada said, if Krishna gave it to you now, what would you do with it? That's why he's not giving us America or Australia. Because what would we do with it? We'd be like, oh, now what do I do? You know, how do we run it? Well, no, you need someone powerful. Srila Prabhupada said, we want Arjuna or we want no one. You understand? Prabhupada said, every devotee has to be like Arjuna. You know what Arjuna was like? That's what Prabhupada said that. Arjuna or no one. Every devotee has to become like Arjuna. Right? Fully powerful in spreading Krishna consciousness. Fully devoted to Krishna. Right? Willing to do anything for Krishna. 
The Bhagavad Gita, the Mahabharata was the hardest, most difficult test any human being could go through. Imagine you had to shoot arrows at your guru. Think about it sometimes. Meditate on that sometimes. Imagine being in that situation where God himself is standing next to you and he says, kill your guru. It's the most difficult thing to do. Arjuna had to do it. He had to shoot Bhishma Dev. The most difficult thing. But he would do anything for Krishna. So Prabhupada said, Arjuna or no one. So now as Kartik, you have one month to purify your consciousness. Fully focus for one month. Take Vratas. Today is the first day of Kartik. So take your Brat, Sankalpa. What will I do? I remember a few years ago we had that brahmachari who used to live here in Melbourne, Bhakti Saprabhu. He took a Vrat, one Kartik. He would read the whole Srimad Bhagavatam, verses, not the purports, in one month, Kartik. So it means three or four hours a day he had to read, and he did. Right? Whole Bhagavatam. Right? That's a good front. That's a powerful front. Anyway, you work it out, whatever you want to do. You chant one round a day extra, you know, or you know, 64 rounds if you want. It's possible. I know devotees who, who do that. There's many devotees in Vrindavan are doing that right now. Right? Or you read, my wife is reading one chapter of Bhagavad Gita every day. Versus not the purpose, one every day. Everyone, you do your different, whatever your rights are. But for Krishna, you have to do something. Purify yourself, give yourself to Krishna. Prabhupada said, at least you have to sing Dhammadharashtika every day and offer the deep. That's minimum. If you can do more, do more. Srila Prabhupada, keep. Any questions or comments? In before it says the, the translation for the verse where it says, make your life successful and then the follow for Kara and the world. So when it says make your life successful first, what level is it talking about? It means do sadhana and become Krishna conscious. That's what it means. You're already doing that. Your life is successful. Hands up, your life is successful. Yeah, it's pretty good. <laughs> I remember uh, Sachinandan Swami, we, we were in Vashana. No? Where is Vashana? Near Vrindavan. What is special about Vashana? It's where Radharani lives. Six months a year she lives there. Where does she live the other six months? Javat. Six months she's in. She goes three months, three months, three months, three months. But she's in. So half the time she's in Vashana. So we were there and uh, Sachinandan Swami was there. And one sadhu, very elevated, who lives in Vashana, he said to Maharaj, how are you? Maharaj said, I'm so happy here in uh, Vashana. And the sadhu said, if you cannot be happy here, you cannot be happy anywhere. the same thing if you're living here in this Melbourne community and you're not spiritually blissful and happy there's something seriously wrong because uh, our lives are perfect what we have to do is just stay here and just keep doing the service and then we will become perfect any other questions? Comments?
Okay. Srila Prabhupada Ki. Yeah.